Today, I want to talk about interest rates and how those are predicted to move, how we think they're going to move, and also how that's going to affect commercial real estate. And so to start off, you've got two composing or opposing forces working against each other right now. You have a election year, which means that things are going to get political, as they always do. And so that is going to encourage the Fed to lower interest rates to make the economy look good for the incumbent, right? It happens almost every election. They want to they want interest rates to go down. People feel like things are more affordable. They can buy houses. Everybody's happy. It increases their chances of winning. However, we've also gotten a lot of debt and a deficit on top of that. Debt being we owe money. A deficit being we're going to continue to owe more money as time goes on. We're expanding the debt that we owe. That's the deficit. The goal of this show is to help healthcare organizations scale by leveraging real estate strategies and interviewing high-level healthcare executives who are actively in the trenches in order to pull out lessons learned along the way. If you'd like a free site selection analysis from our team or you'd like to learn more about how we're acquiring real estate through our fund on the blockchain, visit us at www.reuniversity.org and drop us a line. That's RE as in real estate, university.org. We've got, I think, $34 trillion in debt, which is absolutely mind-blowing and that's like a whole topic for another day but what that means when we have debt to that extent is there's it's impossible to tax your way out of that the, the u.s government cannot raise taxes enough to cover that debt or to cover that deficit and you know the fed they make money different than you and me like they make money <laughs> they actually manufacture it like we try and make money they're making money so the laws don't really or the rules don't really apply to them. It's not like you're running a business, you're running a country. And so when you're short on cash, you can make some cash to bridge the gap. But what does that do? It means we're gonna have more quantitative easing, which is just another fancy term for money printing. And what happens when you print money? You obviously debase the currency and that causes inflation. The printing of money itself does not necessarily cause inflation, but it does when it debases the currency. A lot, they are very closely linked. So when you debase the currency, that means that you're gonna have inflation, assets are gonna see inflation. Uh, we saw that back in 2020 and 2021 during COVID, assets rose very quickly. And so you've got the market participants are gonna be looking, making them a decision. Okay, by one extent, we can invest in equities like stock markets, or we can invest loan out debt. So if you loan money, if you're a lender, you're getting a fixed rate of return. It's a lot safer, but it's smaller than investing in the equity. So when you're when we're investing in a real estate asset or a, a stock of a company, and so when you're doing that equation, it's okay, we're printing a lot of money. We're in a period of qualitative easing or quantitative easing. I know these assets are gonna rise a lot. That's gonna create inflation. And so people who have debt are looking, am I gonna get as good of a return on the debt? Probably not. And so you have to raise the interest rate in order to keep people lending, but also to stifle the economy and bring down inflationary pressures. So it's very difficult to have low interest rates in an area with, in an economy where there's high inflation and we are going to have more inflation as we try to service this debt and get out of this debt. So really those are the two forces that are pushing against each other right now. And the question is what is gonna happen and what does that mean for commercial real estate? I don't like to think in terms of yes or no, but rather in terms of probabilities. So what's the probability that interest rates go up versus interest rates go down and then you can make decisions based on the outcome that you think has the highest probability. And that's what we're reflecting 
right now. That's what we're trying to come up with right now. You saw that in December, I believe it was December 18th of 23, the Fed announced a pause and markets shot up. The stock markets went crazy and interest rates actually dropped. So there was no rate drop from the Fed funds rate. Fed funds rates remained the same. They just announced no more hiking, rate hiking. They were only, only going to pause. And of course, it signifies a turning point, right? Because in the future, we're going to have rates start to drop. But you got to pause before you can, can drop. And so we actually saw, so we were getting loans quoted and typically commercial banks will be about 300 basis points above the 10-year treasury. So at one point, the 10-year treasury got all the way up to five and a quarter or so, five and a half interest rate. And so we were getting quoted at 8% interest rates. And just with the announcement of the pause, the treasury dropped to 4% and our quotes that we were getting were now closer to 7%. And so that means that we see, we've already started to see kind of interest rates go down. Now, interestingly enough, since then, the Fed has said that they're not going to be cutting rates as soon as they anticipated. Now we're looking at the end of 24. And that's, again, that's, it's an election year, right? So I don't necessarily believe them because they've been wrong multiple times in the past several years. They've, they've said one thing and done another. It's, I, I think what's going to happen, I think the reason that we haven't seen prices fall that much is just a simple supply and demand issue. And what we've seen in real estate has been like drastically different among real estate asset classes. For instance, the multifamily space has not been a good place to be in. It might be a good place to get into now, but it's seen a lot of distress. People were underwriting these deals with developers and acquirers and purchasers thinking that the rate of increase of rental, like the rental increases were going to increase like at that rate indefinitely. So they were buying them at 2% cap rates thinking you're going to have 10% rate increases or rental increases which is just not it's not sustainable so now you overpaid and your rent is underperforming in an environment where interest rates are going to be higher so a lot of these guys are going to be left to have forced to refinance because in commercial real estate you have to refinance every five years you're going to be forced to refinance with a deal that's underwater and so they're going to be losing all their equity or losing the building which in that case they lose their equity too so it's a, it's a situation where you're going to have to put cash in and it's gonna be worth less than your initial investment. So you're like, for those guys, and office space is dealing a lot of the same things too. Now, actually different than residential and healthcare, the two areas that I deal in a lot. In residential, I thought for sure, as soon as the rates started hiking, then prices were gonna come down because people can only, banks only approve a 40% debt to income ratio. So if the cost, if the monthly rate is going way, way up, surely prices will come down to adjust for that to keep those monthly rates the same for people to qualify for the loans. No, that didn't happen. The reason that I think it didn't happen is because just a lack of supply. There's, you also have to combine that with a lack of distress. And when I say lack of distress, specifically what I mean is unemployment is low and interest rates are low. So when the Fed knocked out interest rates to historic lows and people refinance at sub 3%, that became an asset. That, that asset, your mortgage became an asset and a very valuable asset. Anybody who has low interest rate is going to be very reluctant to sell, especially if you have to sell a 3% interest rate and your next purchase is going to be at 8%. That doesn't feel good. You're essentially paying the same amount for a house that is, is A, the house probably is more expensive now than the one that they bought when they refinanced. And B, the, the interest rate is higher. And so like the cost delta from selling and buying is massive. And that's going to discourage a lot of people from selling, which is going to keep inventory very low in a environment where we already have low inventory because we stopped building to the rate that we needed to build for back in 2008 with a great financial crisis. So 
that's residential. But residential is very separate from commercial. There's some overlapping, but it's very separate in general. And so with the residential real estate, what you have is just a, a situation where we're gonna be under supply for a long time. And so even when rents, uh, rates went up drastically, threefold, prices did not drop anywhere near to that same extent. Prices might've dropped five to 10%, maybe. And, and again, it is regional, it's real estate. But for the most part, we did not see very many price drops, like very steady, which is just was mind blowing to me at the time. Now, upon reflection, it's making a lot of sense. And in, in healthcare, we saw like the same thing. In general, cap rates were trading at about six and a quarter for retail backed, good operating healthcare companies on the lease. They bumped up to about seven and some change. I think seven on average, like seven flat. And it's a weird situation where people are buying these buildings with negative leverage, meaning their cap rate is seven and their interest rate is eight. So the cost of service, the debt is higher than the return that you're getting. And why is that? It's because of a lack of distress. I think sellers in general have not been motivated to offload their buildings unless they can get the price that they want because you've got a performing tenant. Your asset is performing. They're, they weren't distressed. We've seen healthcare is resistant, recession resistant, pandemic resistant, inflation resistant. And in our opinion, healthcare real estate is just the safest asset or one of the safest assets in the entire world. You've got real estate, which is like a very safe asset. It's a physical building, right? It's there no matter what happens. And you've got healthcare, which is like a very safe tenant and that they're growing with the influx of boomers getting older and requiring more healthcare services. So the combination of being healthcare and being real estate, I, I'm very bullish on. And you've got your, as a result, a non-distressed asset that remains very expensive. If we do see rates start to drop, then I think we will see an increase in prices. To what extent, that's anybody's guess. Again, I'm just playing a game of probabilities here. I think that the probability that rates go down right before the election is very high. <laughs> and I just don't know how much. If I were to I, I work underwriting, speculating deals to maybe come down to about 6%. And however, there's a good argument to be made that after the election cycle, the, the whoever wins the election, that rates are gonna go back up because we have to stifle, we're gonna have to combat the inflation that's gonna be created from quantitative easing. So it's all very complicated. These are things that I'm thinking about a lot. I think like in terms of actionable steps or what to do to prepare yourself, I think making sure you're buying deals at a good cap rate, like a, like not overpaying. I don't, I, I think that in 2021, it was okay to overpay because prices ended up going up 2020. It was okay to overpay because prices kept going up. You're making the compromise. Hey, I'm gonna overpay for the price of the building, but I'm getting a great interest rate. And so at the end of the day, my expenses are not gonna be that crazy. I We acquired a Airbnb and wedding venue at the end of 20, or the begin, January of 22. And I personally thought once rates were gonna go up, house, housing prices were gonna go down, but I knew that the interest rate was so great. I was willing to make that trade off because I was gonna hold it long-term. And I felt like my monthly expenses would still be lower, even if I had to overpay a little bit. And that's, I think that's what the equation a lot of people were doing during that time. Because if you remember, real estate was just skyrocketing. I'm not making that same calculation moving forward. I think that long-term, I don't think we're ever going to get back to the hyper-low interest rate environment that we were in pre-23, 2022, uh, 2020. That was a historical low. And Unless we can get debt under control, again, it's a 
equation of probabilities. What are the odds that the our country is going to stop spending money at this rate and get its fiscal policy in order? It's, it seems very low to me. So I'm not really underwriting on that. I, I think right now I'm underwriting deals on maybe coming from 7% to maybe down to 6% by the end of the year in terms of interest rates and then probably back up to 8 by next year. So it means like if you want to have positive leverage, if you want to have positive cash flow, you're going to have to be buying deals at a nine cap or higher, even at 10 cap. And nobody wants to sell right now because the interest rates haven't been high enough, long enough. They've been very high. But it's only been maybe a year and a half since you really started having these rate hikes. And like I said, sellers don't have distress. If they don't want to, they don't have any distress, they're not going to offload it. It's, it's just going to take time, a long time, a lot longer than I would have expected for the market to reach equilibrium where sellers who want to sell are finally having to bring their prices down to a point where people who are looking to do this as an investment and get a return can afford to buy them. And when I say afford, it's a combination of how much they're willing to put down and how much the bank is requiring as a down payment. So yeah, I think that for us moving forward, we're bullish in general. I think that real estate is still gonna be a great asset. I don't see a collapse or a calamity coming. I do see interest rates remaining high and therefore having to be strict about your policy about purchasing real estate. And that's what we're going to be doing. And yeah, I hope this is helpful. If anybody is interested in learning more, partnering with us as we acquire more deals, just email me, drop me a line, and we'd be happy to connect. If you need help finding the perfect location for your practice, or you're ready to invest in commercial real estate, email us podcast at leadersre.com. That's podcast at leadersre, R-E as in realestate.com. Or go to leadersre.com and fill out our form. See you next time.